Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. I had colleagues who, you know, are incredibly um, sort of educated and financially literate. Um, in doing whatever it was that they would do, but they would come to me and ask me for um, advice around property finance. This is Property Investory, where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyrone Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with Nathan Gooley, co-founder of Yard, investor and lecturer. Not only does he help clients with an innovative mortgage solution, but he also has a driving passion for teaching young professionals. Learn exactly how he got out of law and into finance, what inspired him to start his property journey, and much, much more. We find out what Nathan Gooley dedicates his time towards each day and how his job is driven by his passion for property. I am a a co-founder of Yard and Yard is a specialized home loan lender and uh, and what it does is it provides Australians with fully featured home loan products and uh, and some extremely competitive interest rates. Uh, On a day-to-day basis, um, what you'll find me typically doing is more or less uh, helping people buy and refinance um, homes and property um, across all of Australia, so each state and territory, and uh, and where I get my kicks is is really out of helping people into their first home and and also supporting them in, in acquiring uh, additional properties. Uh, personally, I I absolutely love property, um, and uh, I also really enjoy making the the home loan experience uh, better for people, and um, and that's where I derive I sort of the the the, the biggest satisfaction in in all of this. Are you speaking with customers every day as well while helping them with their loans and their mortgages? I think it's it's quite critical to um, uh, to really understand um, what it is that, that people want, so that you can continuously sort of iterate um, your your strategy, your product set to to you know stay abreast of of changing market dynamics and. Um, things move really quickly, Tyrone, especially in the current environment. So, uh, you know, by being at the coalface and, and, and speaking um, with customers directly, it does uh, help uh, all of us to have a, um, a very solid understanding around, uh, you know, their requirements and, and objectives and, and how we as a business can go about uh, meeting those. Prior to growing his company, Gooley shares details about his upbringing in New South Wales. I'm born and raised in Sydney. Um, I grew up um, between uh, the inner west and, and also down in the south of Sydney at, at different times in my life, um, which was absolutely fantastic. Uh, I uh, went to school in both of those uh, regions, so I spent my, my primary school years in the south of Sydney and then uh, my high school years in, in the inner west. And um, 
and my father's family are, are also um, sort of from the from the country. So I spent a fair bit of my youth uh, in a um, in a country town uh, called Crookwell, which is a really pretty beautiful part of uh, the Southern Tablelands region of New South Wales. Um, it's around two and a half hours um, sort of southwest of, of Sydney, um, probably about 90 minutes uh, east or sort of uh, northeast of, of Canberra. Um, and one little uh, thing about it, it's actually quite elevated above sea level. So what makes it extra special is it typically gets a bit of snow a few times each winter. So for me personally, it was a, um, an, a, uh, a fantastic sort of little escape um, to have, you know, whilst growing up within a, a busy big city. That's amazing. Just to refresh my memory, Crookwell, isn't that, because uh, I, I do remember that name going back in year nine now thinking about it, isn't that a, a sort of a stopping point to get out to Pine Bluff, for example? Yes, it is. It is. Uh, your memory serves you very well. Originally, it was a gold rush uh, town, so it's quite an old, um, uh, you know, inland sort of Australian colonial um, town. Um, but yeah, very, very pretty part of the world. Um, there's you know uh, a lot of a lot of sheep and cattle out there. Um, it gets a good amount, amount of rain, so it's very green. Um, it's um, quite popular for people that are growing um, potatoes. So a lot of uh, a lot of sort of the the potatoes that you might sort of consume in Sydney are from that part of um, of New South Wales, um, and uh, also too it had um, had the very first um, wind windmills, so they were quite ahead of their time in in adopting uh, renewable technology. It seems like you know that area very very well. Did you did you actually have you gone back there recently as well? I was probably there uh, eight weeks ago or so. Um, I went uh, where I went through there, uh, and you know it's it's one of those places that. You know, only slowly changes. It's uh, it's not like um, you know, where you you go between areas of, of Sydney and and you, there's remarkable sort of changes in very short periods of time. It's sort of one of those quaint uh, little towns that sort of only slowly evolves over the decades. Gooley shares how he appreciates the charm of small towns in Australia. Look, hopefully one day, Tyrone, uh, you know, I'll um, I'll sort of find a little place like that to retire to uh, because you know that that's probably. Uh, you know where I'll, um, you know, I'll find my uh, sort of happiness. Looking back on his past, Gooley delves into his family and his education. That was my dad's family, so it's a more, uh, more, uh, more his, his, um, his, his sort of grandparent, uh, sorry, his parents, and um, uh, some of my grandparents. But um, yeah, like, look, it was good from that perspective to have the two worlds. Um, I, I, like, I was, uh, you know, born and raised in, in Sydney. Um, like as a as a kid, I was I was sort of you know pretty into my sports. I really uh, academically minded. Um, probably until I um, hit year twelve and realised um, I needed to sort of uh, kick into gear if I, I wanted to um, not have to get a job the following year and I could sort of continue the uh, the student lifestyle for for a few more years. So um, you know I, I sort of turned my attention um, towards sort of economics and, and finance at that point in time. Um, because I, I just sort of found a, a little bit of an interest um, in it when I was when I was at school, but I, I always thought that I uh, I wanted to to be a lawyer. And um, when I um, when I sort of left school and I, I got into university, um, I, um, I I really devoted quite a bit of time to um, sort of getting to understand how I could make that reality come true. Um, I, I got a job working within um, the, the court system of, of New South Wales, just just in an administrative type of role. Um, but what it 
allowed me to realize that it is that it wasn't for me. Um, so I, I um, after about 12 months doing that, I pivoted my um, my sort of life and, and, and devoted it um, to learning more about um, sort of economics and, and finance at that point in time and, and investing. That's really fascinating. So that was what the first year out of school you went and worked in a legal firm for a, a 12 months? That's right. So I was essentially, I, I had a, an administrative role working for, for a judge um, it was a it was a a, um, a criminal judge um, in the in the Supreme Court, and uh, it was quite eerie. Some of the things that you um, would have to to listen to, and I um I quite quickly realised that um, I didn't have the stomach for it. First of all, and uh, and also the process and uh, and the hours that they keep are, are significantly um, difficult to maintain over um over a full career. Taking an interest in law in his younger years, Gully explains why he took this direction. My dad was uh, was a lawyer, um, so I had that as an as an example, and uh, it was probably sort of some footsteps that um that that were an example that that I was looking to follow there, and um and I, I thought that you know it might have been a path that I, I wanted to try, and uh, but then but then I saw um I saw finance, and uh, and it presented a you know an interesting option um, for me to you know, learn about a, a, a different field and, um, and, and essentially that was the, the path that, that I, um, I, I sort of, I took and, um, I, I got, I got in extremely deep in it. I got, um, quite, um, every, everything that I read sort of just led me to ask more questions. And, um, I spent a lot of time, uh, in, in university, just sort of looking to, to understand more, um, and more about different, um, components and, and parts to finance. Um, I finished my my first my undergraduate degree and I sort of more or less instantly enrolled in a in a master's degree and and then I finished that and I felt as though I sort of still hadn't scraped the the surface so I then um what, I'm not sure what I was thinking at the time but but I enrolled myself into into a doctorate and um spent sort of more or less 6 years undertaking that whilst I was I was working full time just so I could uh, I could really deepen my my understanding and um, I saw education as a way to overcome my lack of years of experience um, within the market, and uh, and it certainly did allow me to have you know much deeper um, conversations with you know extremely uh, experienced people within the uh, within the industry. He explains how he changed degrees after realizing law was not right for him. Uh, I pivoted into just a, a straight um, commerce degree at, at Sydney Uni, um, which was, uh, you know, extremely enjoyable at, at, at the time. And then during that period, um, you continued on to go from your undergraduate to your postgrad and then a doctorate and that lasted for how long roughly? The entire period probably went for around um, 15 years, uh, sort of on and off. You know, there's obviously life events, especially when it comes to doing a doctorate you have um, significant ups and downs. It's, it's probably one of the most uh, mentally challenging things that, that you can ever do because it's, it's quite a lonely project. You're, you're on your own the entire time. Um, so, you know, there's moments where you, um, you just take a break from it and you might not touch it for, for three or four months. And, and then there's other moments where, you know, you're, you're devoting um, you know, almost every waking hour um, into whatever it is your, your project is. And, uh, it's a it's a very lonely process um, doing research like that because you're you're often tackling a field um, or you have to tackle a field that you know no one else has explored at that point in time. Um, otherwise, like it's there's no um, sort of gap in in people's understanding. So you've got to find something new. Um, that is a challenge in itself, and then also understanding 
you know, the, the process uh, that you need to take in order to um, answer one because there's, there's a methodology that you need to follow in order to, um, uh, to uh, I guess, articulate one or, or finish one. Um, so it, that, was, um, that was a very long, drawn-out process. Um, what was sort of quite critical to me um, was to continue to work at the same time. Um, I, was, I was very sceptical of, uh, of whether or not I'd um, realise any value from, um, I guess, the, the number of hours that I was devoting to it. Um, so I wanted to make sure that I still um, kept skin in the game in terms of the, the workforce and, and it was just something outside of work that um, I was devoting time to, to you know, broaden my um, understanding of, I guess, the field of um, finance. As there were many aspects within finance, Cooley shares what he chose to focus on for his doctorate. So I started my doctorate right in the middle of the, uh, the GFC um, and I... Yeah, yeah, and I, I picked an area um, that was um, uh, that was going through significant sort of regulatory change at that, that point in time. So, um, what I looked at was um, was a, a space um, where um, where like people were sort of unsure um, of the ramifications of certain rules and regulations that would come in and how that would translate into norms and practices going forward. Um, so, what I did is. Um, I devoted, you know, a significant amount of time in in, in looking um, at understanding um, what those rules were first of all, and then how they would impact um, uh, people in both Australia and Canada. Um, and I looked at those two countries because they're they're extremely similar, um, both in in population. They're both Commonwealth, um, or you know, in case of Canada, an ex Commonwealth country. Um, they've got a similar uh, legal system and, and banking system. Um, they've got five banks. We've got four big banks. Um, so their their property market is uh, is very similar to ours, um, and uh, and their population sort of desire to buy and hold property um, is is very sort of akin to what you find in Australia. So they're sort of quite uh, good case studies to um, to look at when you're uh, when you're looking to understand. Um, the consequences of, say, some new uh, rules and laws that were coming in. And what I did was um, I sort of came up with what I felt was um, was the outcome. And uh, and then I turned that into a new way of doing things for, for people. And, um, and what I did was um, I built um, a new product um, off the back of that for um, a bank that I was working for at the time. Um, and um, I, I actually won the, the Australian uh, Business Award for product innovation off, off the back of it. And, um, and the, but the best thing was is that all of the other banks actually um, copied what I had done. So it was, it was sort of quite a, you know, quite a shot, sort of a shot in the arm. Like it, was, it was very, um, I felt sort of quite, you know, um, uh, privileged to, to sort of um, have come up with something that others obviously saw value in. Are you able to delve into a little bit more about this type of product? The product can is a way of um, of like uh, I guess readdressing um, your your balance sheet to meet. Um, if you're a bank, it's a way of or a fund manager. Um, you can utilize um, I guess you know my product or my methodology in order to um, achieve a better result for your portfolio. Um, so it might be an outcome where you um, would like to generate a higher rate. And um, because my product um, works within the, the current rules framework, it 
allows an investor to essentially buy the product um, or for a bank um, sell the product. Um, and for the bank, it, it sort of ticks a whole lot of boxes. And as a consequence, they can offer a, um, a higher interest rate um, to an investor. So it's sort of almost like a way of repositioning or restructuring your balance sheet in order to um, get around or, um, or meet um, the, the regulation that, that came in as a consequence of the, the global financial crisis. Wow, it solved a big problem there, those hours of it. It's one of those things that's quite time dependent and uh, you know it's there, it's now embedded within the system. Where it has the most application is, uh, is in the, um, the institutional space um, where it's sort of large financial institutions that are, um, are often sort of either investing with one another or um, trading with one another. Um, that's where it has the, the full value. It doesn't sort of make as much sense in the um, in the retail or small business um, category. Gourley talks more about his employment journey that ultimately led him into the financial markets space. Whilst I was doing my undergraduate degree, I was um, I was working for a um, like a, a sort of a small um, um, merchant bank um, at the at the time and. Um, and that, that was quite good because I, I spent a good few years um, working for, for that organisation and, um, and I graduated from university and, uh, and I thought, look, you know, I, I'd been offered a, a new role there um, and I spent six months um, following graduation in that new role and I was actually planning on um, going travelling and um, I wanted to sort of, you know, pick up and, and move, um, move overseas and... Um, it was sort of a path that many many of my friends were, were following and I, I didn't want to miss out on that. And um, I had a friend one day call me up as um, I was sort of getting ready to, you know, relocate, book flights. Um, I was already looking into, uh, you know, different sort of trips I could uh, I could sort of take on my way to an ultimate destination. Um, and my friend from university told me about a, a role that was, um, was going um, – within a, an area of the company that, that he was working for. And I hadn't, uh, it had been some time since I'd gone through a job application process. And um, I spoke to, to my dad at the time who sort of said, look, you know, your heart's set on, um, you know, moving overseas, that's all good. But why, why don't you go and speak with them and, and just get a little bit of interview experience because it might uh, prep you for, you know, when you, um, when you get to wherever you, um, you're looking to go. And and so uh, I went along and I had a had an interview. I got invited back um, for for more, and and then I um I ended up uh, sort of being offered the job, and um and I actually I I took the job and it changed my path at that point. So um, I ended up um, sort of pivoting and going from uh, working for you know that that sort of equities um, sort of fund manager merchant bank um, to. Uh, into into banking at that point in time, and um, that's probably where that was probably the biggest um, pivot for me because it sort of changed my focus from you know one one uh, area to to another. What's the differences between the initial role that you you were working in to the new role? Like, what were the biggest differences? I was working with uh, equities in the in the first role, and then the um, the second role I was working with interest rate products. So. Uh, bonds, um, other uh, sort of fixed income investments, and also debt products. Um, that that was the that was the the big critical factor. So rather than looking at you know different companies on a day to day basis, I was now um, looking at um, you know 
essentially fixed income securities. After changing roles, Gul explains what fixed income securities entails. Fixed income securities are, um, are like, uh, you know, in a, in a very basic sense, um, loans and deposits where um, people sort of either borrow money or lend money to one another. And um, yeah, and, and, and a, a really good example, like a, a loan, for example, is a, um, is a, a bilateral um, deal. So it's a deal that you will strike with um, as, a, as a property investor, you'll go to your bank and you'll borrow some money. Um, what big organizations do is they, um, they, instead of borrowing money from other banks, they uh, issue bonds um, and they, so they effectively sell um, a promise to repay that sum of money at a point in time in the future. And in return, uh, they receive interest payments or, or coupons, um, that investor. So effectively, um, uh, I moved from a world which was uh, analysing um, sort of companies and in, investing in, in companies um, and, and trading, say, stocks to um, trading bonds and, and bank bills. That is quite a big move and a big change. How long were you there for and, and what kind of things did, did you do? Before starting uh, Yard, um, I'd spent more than 15 years um, in banking. Uh, and um, I think um, what the period allowed me to really uh, understand was what traditional lenders um, did really well and, and where they fell short. Um, I, I got to work with some really exceptional people uh, with great minds who stoked my, my passion for, for property and finance and probably motivated me to continue my education in, in my spare time. Um, and, um, and then, you know, through, I guess, the, um, the fact that I sort of did all of this education, um, it sort of resulted in, in me then uh, wanting to um, teach as well, which is sort of you know, I guess my um, my 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 second job that, that I, um, I I or my second love that I, I do on the on the time and uh, on the side and and what that allows me to do is to to work with the next generation of, of passionate uh, young professionals and and also uh, helps me stay on top of of you know the evolving trends that are out there and but it also broke down a fear that I used to have uh, around public speaking. Um, I used to sort of cripple at the knees when. Uh, when faced, um, you know, with a even just a small crowd of, of people that I needed to to present to, um, so where I am now is I feel privileged to have have had these two roles, which are which are quite different. Um, I've also sort of escaped the the corporate rat race in, in a way, and um, and I now get to do two things um, with with a huge degree of flexibility, um, where um, I, I truly love what I, I get to do. Coming up after the break, we take a look at how Nathan Gooley not only manages his homeland company but also is a teacher on the side. I teach finance at, at the University of Sydney. Um, so I've, over, over time, I've taught a mixture of um, undergrad and, and postgraduate students um, at just within the finance faculties. The kind of journeys he went through before co-founding Yard. Probably the biggest thing for me in starting Yard or, or prior to starting Yard was you know like leading into the roles that I found myself in. So. I was fortunate enough at one part of the job that I had just before I left banking was I got to sit on all of the main uh, like sort of product and pricing committees across that bank that I work for. And that's next. 
I'm Tyrone Shum and you're listening to Property Investory. Have you reviewed your interest rate on your investment loan recently and discovered that you're paying too much to the big four banks? Or have they charged you fees on additional repayments, redraws or an offset account? If you answered yes to either of these questions, you are not alone. For being a loyal listener of the podcast, the team at Yard are offering you a low-rate, fully-featured investment loan with no application fees and with unlimited additional repayments, unlimited free redraws and a 100% interest offset facility. Because everything is done online, they pass the savings back to you and make the process seamless. Trust me, I have tried Yard and it's been the easiest application process I've ever experienced. I was done in less than 10 minutes. To get your investment loan, simply visit propertyinvestory.com forward slash Yard or you can SMS your details to 0499881040 and quote Yard spelled Y-A-R-D. Gooley shares with us the details about his teaching job that brings him great happiness. I teach finance at, at the University of Sydney. Um, so I've, over, over time, I've taught a mixture of um, undergrad and, and postgraduate students um, at just within the finance faculty. So anyone that's sort of undertaking an economics, uh, commerce or, or even like a, an MBA um, style uh, program, uh, if they've, they've chosen uh, some sort of finance uh at some point, there's a good chance that uh, that I will have worked with them throughout the course of, of their studies. Do you teach there as a lecturer you know, on a term-by-term basis? I teach uh, twice uh, twice a week. So I teach one um, one course uh, each semester. Um, it could be foreign exchange, for example, or fixed income, or um, it could be capital markets. And uh, so I'll, I'll teach um, this semester what I'm doing is I'm teaching on a, on a Monday evening and on a Wednesday evening. And um, I, I essentially, I, I present the same thing twice. Um, and students, based upon their, their timetable, they can come along to either of those, um, those two sessions. Whilst managing a company, working with clients and educating students, Gourley proves he can do it all. There's quite a big uh, initial fixed um, sort of cost or, or um, a component where you need to, you know, prepare slides. You need to sort of think about your your examples. Um, you need to to be able to uh, like be relevant and and have things that are um, updated to you know the the current uh, environment. Once you've done that once, um, the I guess the the investment of time's already been made, and it's just a matter of staying current and, and going and presenting it, um, and then and then also doing things administrative things like setting exams and um, marking assignments and so forth. Um, so it does. It's like anything in life. Like you, uh, the longer you do it, uh, the I guess the easier it gets. You you sort of get an you get an understanding of the process, and and once you understand that process, um, you can sort of. Uh, it becomes easier for you to, to juggle with, with other things. After working in banking for the last 15 years, Gooley shares his experiences prior to Yard. Probably the biggest thing for me in starting Yard or, or prior to starting Yard was you know, like leading into the roles that I found myself in. So I was fortunate enough at one part of the job that I had just before I left banking was I got to sit on all of the main uh, like sort of 
product and pricing committees across that bank that I work for. And um, what that meant was I, I got to sit on the home loan um, uh, like committee. So I was one of a few people that, that sort of got to decide the, the, um, the home loan strategy for that bank. And um, I also got to sit on um, the business version of that and then the institutional version of that and the, the, the wealth management um, version of that. So I got this bird's eye view across um, the entire organization and um, and it allowed me to to really see um, what was being done well and um, where things were uh, really falling short. And uh, within any big uh, organization, things become institutionalized and processes um, touch so many different people. It's very hard to actually uh, change anything, even when there's a, uh, you know, it's well known that things aren't as optimal as what they should be. Um, and also the other big inhibitor is uh, is technology and um, some of the technology that, um, you know, my old colleagues had to, to work with and I had to work with is, you know, is really archaic. And, and when you're relied upon that, you're quite limited in, in what you can actually deliver to a customer and, and how quickly you can turn things around. But um, I guess, you know, leading up to that process, um, I had this exposure. And then at the same time, because I was getting this exposure, I had colleagues who, you know, were incredibly um, sort of educated and financially literate. Um, in doing whatever it was that they would do, but they would come to me and ask me for um, advice around property finance. And um, and I found that initially quite strange uh, because these these are people who, uh, you know, I held and still hold in, in quite high regard because they know that their, their areas, um, you know, very well, um, but yet they were perplexed when it came to um, comparing finance options um, and that just made me think that the um, the whole process um, was just made unnecessarily complicated. If you have extremely um, sort of smart people who um, just don't know the best option for them, then then something effectively is going wrong. And it was probably those those things as well as my own process that I went through um, when buying a home for the first time. Um, that sort of made me uh, realize that, that things could be done better. Wow. And at what time frame was that or which year did that all sort of happen? This was probably over a period of, of five years um, that, it, that it made me, uh, you know, where I was, um, you know, I guess uh, sort of understanding, um, you know, the entire end-to-end uh, process myself. And, um, and what I found was, you know, after going through it, you become more acutely aware to it because you've lived um, through the experience, and you you get a um, you get a better understanding for it as a customer. So when you then apply the customer lens, but also the um, the, the bank's lens, uh, it, it helps you then sort of understand how things could be um, could be potentially done done better. Gooley was encouraged to start his own company and turned his back on moving overseas. He shares with us this journey. The two options were either. Um, Invest in more property or start a business, and and uh, I had um, I had a bit of I had a bit a bit of money saved because uh, the objective had always been to uh, you know buy more property, um, but then the alternative was uh, potentially uh, get a little bit more freedom for myself and um, and 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 try and tackle a problem that I um, I saw as as being a, a huge opportunity. 
Um, so effectively, when I went through that home loan process for myself, um, I did find it extremely difficult. It was um, busy work, um, but it wasn't meaningful work. And, um, and the entire loan application process um, just to me felt really inefficient, ancient, and it took an eternity. Um, I um, encountered millions and millions of pages of forms, terms and conditions and legal documents, and I, I, I needed to complete all of those manually. And um, it, it literally took me weeks going back and forth with, uh, with the lender, um, tracking down missing paperwork and forms, um, I don't stress Tyrone and I, I try to stay pretty uh, relaxed and stress-free, but during this moment um, when you're, you're buying such a big asset, a property asset, um, it's probably the biggest investment that, that you make as, as an individual. Um, I was just stressed the entire time um, whilst I was waiting to know where I stood. Uh, could I borrow the amount that I needed? Um, how long was it going to take to get a, a, to get the approval that I required? And um, and, uh, you know, would there be um, an issue that popped up at the 11th hour? So it wasn't a pleasant experience that, that I had. And, and then when I spoke to, to friends and family, I, I, I realised that, that I wasn't alone. And, and what that did was it made me think that through Yard, um, we, would, um, we could make the home loan application experience better for people. Um, and then just speaking with colleagues, I guess, over, I guess, the last five years that, that I was in banking, uh, really made me realise that um, that lenders have made things incredibly unnecessarily complicated. Um, if you go onto a traditional lender's website, you can find 20 to 30 variations of the same thing. Um, each product has its own flashy brand name. There's different interest rates. There's different fees. It's it's really not transparent, and it, and it just makes comparison almost impossible. Um, and and the other thing that I just I didn't like is is with a traditional lender everything can be up for negotiation the fees you pay the discount to their standard variable interest rate um, I just personally got um, confused uh, it defeated me and it and it just it, it can leave a feeling like you've you've been ripped off and and you might not be but it can leave that feeling that you you've just been ripped off it's just not a nice um, sort of taste and. I think when you strip it all back, uh, property finance is pretty basic and um, and when it's not kept simple, it just becomes harder for people to make uh, an easily informed choice uh, about which option is best for them. Um, so what was clear to me is that, um, that people are after both simplicity and transparency. Of course, great rates and, and limited fees too, but the, the most important thing is, is how do you take something that in its essence is pretty basic but has become incredibly complicated um, for one reason or another and just reposition that as, as, as being um, something extremely straightforward that just clicks immediately for, for anyone. Um, and, and that was the challenge with Yard and that, that's, that, that's probably what took us um, the, the greatest amount of time is how do we take, um, you know, 20 to 30 variations of effectively the same thing and turn it into just four products um, for consumers? And, and how do you do that in a way where you can provide people with, um, you know, a really seamless experience, a really competitive interest rate and, um, 
and give them the ability to just add in as many features as they want. You must be the next uh, Steve Jobs or Apple of uh, finance. If you look at the, the telco industry, the, the telco industry had this moment too, probably about 15 um, years ago or so. Like, I mean, Tyrone, remember like you, you walked into Telstra um, back in the day and um, you would sort of walk around the edge of the shop and there'd be 15 people sort of, uh, sort of hovering, um, waiting to sort of grab you. And you'd, you'd sort of walk around and you'd look at handsets and um, it became almost impossible to understand um, and compare, say, Telstra to Vodafone, Vodafone to um, Optus um, or any other carrier at that time. And um, you, because everything was packaged up into a 48-month plan, you're paying a different um, fee for SMS to, um, you know, your, your sibling, to your friend. Um, you had a different amount of calls included on a monthly basis. It was just impossible to make a comparison. And then a Mason came out with this data-only plan. It was like unlimited calls, unlimited texts, really simple, really straightforward. Just pay us X dollars a month and you'll get this amount of data. And you know what? Let's just do no locking contracts. And it was just very sort of uh, seamless and straightforward. And they had sort of this, this instant success. I mean, I, I think people appreciated that. And, and Apple's, Apple's probably a, another company that um, went through that, that sort of simplification and, and, um, and stripping out all of the complexity that, you know, just sort of uh, builds up over, over the course of time. And, and that's what, and that's all we want to do is, is we just want to, um, to be able to give uh, people um, like sort of four sort of simple choices um, and they can have as many fee uh, features as they want and we give them a, a really competitive interest rate and the product that they end up going into is just driven, you know, entirely by their objective. You know, do they just want a home loan to um, buy an owner-occupied um, home or an investment property or are they looking to do a knockdown rebuild or a house and land package? And in that case, they'd need something like a construction loan. Or are they someone that's looking to, you know, they've seen the, their dream property come up for sale on the next street and they want to bid at auction, so they want to buy before they sell their existing home. So, you know, they need a bridge. And, and then there also are a lot of people out there who are looking to um, purchase property through their superannuation. And for me, um, in the last few years that I was in banking, I saw um, pretty much most players in the market pull away from SMSF lending. And um, I'm, I'm not sure um, why that was because um, property can be such a great asset for anyone to have, uh, you know, within their superannuation because um, property really is a medium to long-term play and um, and so is superannuation uh, and given the performance of property over the course of time it just it just makes sense for for, for some people to want to be able to um, put that into their super and you know smsf loans and um, doing smsf loans um, really fills in my my view a void that um that the big banks are really stepped away from uh, over the last few years after years of discovering what his true passions were, Gooley found himself on his property investing journey. 
The reason why I love property over other asset classes um, is probably for a number of reasons. To step back though, you know, I guess I personally, I see property as as a medium to long-term play. Prior to the, the financial crisis, I was working uh, in equities at that point in time and um, you know, I guess I got caught up with a lot of the euphoria that, that was playing out at that time around, um, around I guess, you know, making equity investments and so forth. And like a lot of people at the time, you know, I was, I was using equities as a way to park my savings whilst I save for a home deposit. I got sucked up and like many other people, you know, I was, I was making decent returns. And, and then once the market started selling off, I got quite scared and I, I liquidated my investments. And at that point in time, my savings definitely took a dent and it took me um, a little longer to, to get my home, but it, it sort of taught me um, some big learnings. It, it sort of made me realize that capital growth just does not come easy. And if you're holding an asset that has experienced significant short-term price gains, um, like I was getting prior to the GFC in equities, or otherwise you sort of look around and everyone seems to be a star investor at that point in time, it made me realize that I might want to reanalyze that investment and redetermine whether I still think those returns are likely to be sustained. And if it, all things had gone to plan, I, I probably would have bought my first property a lot earlier than what I did. But I guess because I was, um, I got sucked into the equities hype, I was making uh, equities investments. But I then realized at that point in time, the benefits associated with, with holding property and, and why I like property over other asset classes is, is for a number of reasons. And first is it provides you with a regular cash flow stream, um, like an annuity. So you've got this weekly payment or monthly payment in the form of rent that just comes as long as your property is tenanted. The second thing is that you can take significant gearing or leverage at really cost-effective interest rates when you buy property. The other thing with property is that you can make improvements to your property or your land and increase its value um, and generate this thing called forced equity where you do something to it to make it worth more than what it was worth uh, when you first purchased that. There are also um, significant or can be significant taxation advantages through depreciation and, and interest deductibility as, as all your listeners uh, will know. And and then prices um, around property have historically been more stable than, than other asset classes. And then in Australia, like we've just got we've got really good asset protection um, laws as opposed to other countries. There's no risk that the government will come and take what you own um, here in Australia or another party can sort of come and, and get access to to what you have. And as a consequence, you know, people like it. And where there is inflation and, and other favourable demographics as we have here in, in Australia, you get capital appreciation with property prices. And then sort of, you know, down the track, it, it, property is sort of one of those things that, you know, once you, you pay down um, some of your loan, you can then use or, or you see the value of your, your home uh, increase. You can then use that asset as collateral to get further loan funding. So you can then sort of take equity out of your, it could be your home or, or your investment property that you already have and use that as your equity contribution to your next property or for something else that you might need to do in the future. It could be, you know, as, as a way to get access to cheap funds to secure a, an overdraft facility for your business. 
Like there's a whole range of other things. Like owning a property just enables you to have a lot of flexibility down the track. That's essentially why I got into property. And, and for me, it was also about having a, having a home to live in. That was my um, ultimate objective. And, and probably my, my next property objective will be to, to, I guess, as my family continue to grow, uh, upgrade my home to something with a little bit more space. So that, that's probably the next immediate goal over the next few years is get a home uh, that's a little bit bigger to just get access to some, some more room. After listening to Nathan Gooley share his finance and property journey, we'll keep the conversation going where we'll hear how he managed to co-found Yard despite knowing the risks. First of all, uh, like with any lending business, the person that takes the risk is the lender um, because we're effectively, I mean, it's, it's us parting with our money to um, provide to an organization to, or an individual to buy property. Um, so the risk really is on us. That's probably the first point. How we, we sort of get our funding the kind of mindset he has adopted along his journey as well as the resources and mentors he has encountered. I get the opportunity now to speak with uh, um, you know, people from all over Australia um, day in, day out who um, are investing in property and what I can share is that there are so many different ways to make money in property and, and we see this through what our customers are, are doing and, and different property investors um, have achieved uh, different things. And that's next time in a future episode of Property Investory. Hey, before you go, just a quick one. For being a loyal listener of the podcast, the team at Yard are offering you a low-rate, fully-featured investment loan with no application fees and with unlimited additional repayments, unlimited free redraws and a 100% interest offset facility. Because everything is done online, they pass the savings back to you and make the process seamless. Trust me, I've tried Yard and it's been the easiest application process I've ever experienced. I was done in less than 10 minutes. To get your investment loan, simply visit propertyinvestory.com forward slash Yard or you can SMS your details to 0499881040 and quote Yard spelt Y-A-R-D.